0: Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the NCAP podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This week we have uh, Tim Rose and I'm sorry, it's I Rob, Rob Miller. <laughs> Rob Miller. I wrote down Tim's name on my, uh, my notes and i forgot to write yours down so tim is the cider maker and rob is the owner along with his wife and uh they are here representing distillery lane cider Works, our first cidery that we're talking to Yay. which means as i was telling you earlier you get to basically give us the 101 class on what is cider
1: well cool um we actually teach a one-on-one class. Well, in, that's even better <laughs> in the off season. So we'll ha- we'll have to get you over the, for that. Um, we're over in Jefferson, right outside of Burkittsville, and uh, we make we have three products. We make hard cider, uh, which we have year round, and this time of the year we sell fresh cider. I've got a, a bottle there in front of me, which is basically non-alcoholic, sort of traditional farmhouse cider. And then our third product is apples. Um, for us, it's all we say is it's all about the apples. We grow about 40 varieties of apples on 11 acres, um, some of them for eating out of hand, for pies, for snacking, but uh, probably about half the orchard are apples grown just for making cider, and uh, so by that, we, you know, apples are, can be grown like wine grapes. They're grown for tannins. They're grown for acidity, for flavor, um, and like wine grapes, those apples I brought here today that, that are uh, high in tannins or higher in acidity are pretty close to being inedible. I mean, they really make your mouth pucker up. But, uh, and, and so they're sort of hard to finish, but when you put them 10, 15% of a cider, it gives it that mouth feel, the back of the throat feel, a nice finish on the cider.
0: So, would uh, your average apple that you want to eat, like a Honey Crisp or like a, any, a John, John of Gold, would those would not be good for making cider, I mean, or is it just because it's more profitable to sell them as
1: apples that those aren't used in cider? They are used to some extent in cider, um, and I'm not saying you can't, but you know it's it's a little bit of a different product. Um, you know, these are traditional apples grown just for cider. So it's um, some of the uh, the sweeter commercial ciders are often made with uh, those the, the, what we call dessert fruit. Um, and, it, and it's really just on your on your your tastes. Okay. So the cider world is actually I've been using this uh, uh, description is, is sort of gotten like the beer world. You know, you've got your traditional beers and you got your your super funky beers, and you know, and, and everything in between. And and uh, in the cider world, it's getting to be the same thing. You've got um, traditional cider makers are using traditional cider apples, and we tend to be. Um, you know, apples that are, as I said, high in tannins, high in acidity, bla- fl- blended with um, some a- apples that make a-, a real nice base juice, um, generally higher in sugar, so higher in alcohol. Then you get got the funky end of the scale where people are experimenting with wild yeasts and uh, all sorts of products. I saw one recently with sea salt and... Um, so I've had people bring over ones that had jalapeno peppers in them. Oh, so, so the, the, the scale, and and and. And, and, and 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 it's it's you know I encourage people to try everything. There's this whole range of uh, of tastes, and uh, it's just where we are in the scale. We've sort of stayed with this traditional, and we also tend to be dry to off dry. Traditional cider was dry; it was fermented fully to dryness, like a wine. Um, and we, so we, we don't do a, we don't do sweet. We don't what um what does off dry mean it means like say less than 1% residual sweetness okay. just,
2: just enough to balance the uh, natural acidity of the apples it's it's uh, oftentimes in many people's palates just a little bit of sweetness uh, really balances the cider very well
0: okay so rob were did you start uh did you open cider distillery lane cider works because you were doing like did you make cider at home or how, how did you get into the
1: idea of opening a cidery? Well, we bought this farm, my wife and I, in Jefferson 20 years ago. And when we bought it, the next door neighbor farmer, it was a dairy farmer, leased all the land and all the buildings. And so all we really had was this house and this, this land. And we sort of had these ideas that we'd like to try something in farming. And we knew he was going to be reti- retiring in a few years, and so we we looked into all sorts of, of things. What what could we produce, grow, and produce that we could produce an end product? Um, and you know, we looked into everything from uh, ginseng to um, you know. You, you can get all these brochures from the from the extension agency on you know raising turkeys you know it's just and and we liked cider there were the, the the ground in that in that area the the soils are quite good it's a sandy loam that's ideal for growing apples there were a few apple trees four or five on the property um and we just said okay we started looking into making hard cider and the more we looked into it uh, the more we sort of got intrigued by the idea and so 17 years ago we planted our first trees with the idea that, that we were going to make hard cider so it was the a, a mix of those different varieties of, of trees um, and it took us forever in a day to you know figure out what we're doing and, and get the trees to produce apples and then we had to build a building to process the cider and licensing and it took us a long time but we now have been open seven or eight years as a licensed winery maryland recognizes us as, as a winery
0: yeah that i was going to ask you some of that so you're you're licensed and you're classified as a winery and and that's basically if you if your product is produced from fifty-one percent or more a fruit base, right? Or I, there's probably more stipulation to it. There,
1: there's some more stipulation. The, the, the biggest issue is um, the uh, ABV, the alcohol. Okay. So if you're over seven percent, which you have to be, uh, licensed as a winery. If you're under seven percent, I guess you can be a brewery and, and, and hold a brewery license. Okay.
0: Um, well, I think it, with breweries too, though, like they, it cannot be. It can't be classified as a beer if 51% of the fermentable sugars don't come from that's right that's right malted
2: barley yeah that's
0: right or some sort of okay um, so how long does it take when you plant a tree to maturation to produce apples that are suitable for making cider
1: it, it depends on the variety somewhat and, and it also depends on the which called the rootstock of what you use so um, they have dwarfing trees. I don't know if you've been out to an orchard recently and you see that the trees are very small, They're like six foot tall. Um, that that's what most commercial growers are using now, um, versus traditionally it was probably a semi dwarf tree that might be 12 to 15 feet tall, or your old standard size tree, you know, a 30 foot tall tree. So the the smaller the tree, the faster it comes into okay. production. So a dwarfing tree might produce in in the third leaf or, th- or certainly by the fourth leaf, whereas the, the next size up probably four to five years or even six.
0: So are those trees used because they mature faster or also because it's easier to harvest from them?
1: It they're is. It, they're much easier to, to, to pick and to prune and to train. Um, the disadvantage is you've got maybe four times the trees number of trees to the acre, so your upfront cost putting okay. the trees is much higher. And then those trees aren't self-supporting, so they're, they're generally grown to a trellis. So you've got the cost of staking and running trellis wire. But uh, probably 80% of our orchard is on the old traditional semi-dwarf trees. But anything new that we're putting in now, we're, we're doing the, uh, the the real dwarfing ones. and. Um, had to uh, to do it all over again i would probably do the the dwarfing trees because they're much they're much easier to, to okay. take care of. you don't have to drag a ladder around especially you know this time of the year we're finishing pruning and you're dragging ladders through the orchard and having to you know, uh, this, then you do the same thing in january and february without pruning dragging up one ladder you know to, from tree to tree to tree
0: okay so tim how did you find
2: yourself a professional cider maker um so I'm sitting around drinking a home brew with another fella and, and we look at each other and say, how come we never made hard cider? And so next thing I know, my, my friend has gallons lined up on his kitchen counter. Um, we found out about a wonderful gentleman, British gentleman who is probably the, the father of most American cider makers and maybe around the world. His name is Dr. Andrew Lee. He spent his career at a place in England studying the science of cider making and uh, he shares all of his knowledge um, uh, not only on a website but on a bulletin board kind of interactive thing. Usually when there's some very advanced topic that comes up suddenly Andrew Lee chimes in. Um, And so you can learn a lot that way. Having a science background um, helped make the conversion easy from making beer which is much harder than making cider fermenting apple juice there's no cooking involved there it's it's really quite a much more simple process Um, but uh, so I'm working on perfecting making cider in my basement finding out about these unusual apple varieties with high amounts of tannin buying mediocre juice making good cider but not, you know, the full sort of craft cider that that you try to achieve, that has the fine finish that, that, that the tannins from these apples produce. And so I'm looking in the newspaper one day, and there's this picture of a bunch of guys and gals from Brewers uh, United for Real Potables, the Montgomery County Club. Um, and they're running around in this orchard picking apples. And then there's the names of the apples. And I go, holy cow, this is these are real cider apples and so the next day I think it was maybe Friday after Thanksgiving maybe about seven or eight years ago longer than that probably closer to 10 um, I called these guys up and I said can I get some of your juice and so anyway that's how we we got um, together and so after about 10 years of, of making cider in six gallon batches trying all different things I got to scale up to to 250, 500-gallon batches. Oh, wow. So
1: you're making a lot at one time. Yeah. Yeah. So let me tell you our side of how we got to know Tim, too, is before we even were selling any kind of uh, wine, you know, licensed, we were selling the the raw juice, and I'd met the folks from Burp, the Beer Drinkers United, and they used to come out, and Tim would come out with these guys and get juice. Well, the beer drinkers they would all then bring back bottles of their cider hey rob i made this check this out and
2: uh including me eventually. including tim yeah.
1: and uh some of them were really good some of them were okay and then so as we started getting ready to open i think it was like in april and we were expecting to open that fall, have like a grand opening. We had a cider in tanks. We'd never really bottled anything other than, you know, a little bit of homebrew. My wife said, hey, we, re- we, re- we really ought to get some help with this. She said, why don't you call that Tim guy? Because uh, he was the favorite, or his ciders were the, was what she liked the most. Uh-huh. I said, OK, so I called that Tim guy, and he came out the next weekend. And uh, he's he's been out there every weekend since. <laughs> well, it,
2: it was lucky for me that uh, my oldest two children my daughters were both heading off to college that fall one of them already had but then suddenly instead of you know three kids juggling sporting events on the weekend I had free time that lasted literally like three months
0: and then you started making and the then,
2: cider and then this happened and so it's been great it's over
0: so it, were, at first Rob were you making all the cider
1: yourself Yes. And well, we hadn't, like I said, we had hadn't gone we, into full production. We hadn't gone into full production, but I was doing the same thing. I was making ciders and sending them off to cider con- amateur cider contests. And, you know, it, but it, it's been, I, I won't deny this, this whole thing. has been a learning process, everything from growing the apples to uh, fermenting it to producing bottles. And uh, and now since Tim came on, I mean, we've sort of been learning together throughout the, uh, the years now.
0: Um, is there something you want to try now?
1: Sure. Um, we'll start with, uh, I think, maybe our uh, a, a, a traditional still um, British cider apple called Kingston Black, um, if we can try that one. All right?
0: I can uh, open that while I, – I think what would be helpful if one of you could just take us through the entire process of making cider, from picking the apple to
1: the bottled product. Okay. Um, I can start, and then I'll, t- I'll turn it over to Tim. Tim. Um, but really, the uh, you know the the start of the process is is growing the tr- is getting the trees, and that is as I mentioned. There's these different rootstocks, and the reason that the rootstocks are important is because you actually don't grow an orchard apple from a seed. If if you planted just a seed out of uh, one of those ma- apples that's called Harry Masters Jersey, if you planted one of those seeds, you would not get a Harry Masters Jersey tree. It would be like one in two thousand trees. So you have to go take clippings off of the trees. Typically, we'll do it in, in late fall here after the, the leaves have fallen. And then you graft it to one of those rootstocks. And uh, we do a dwarfing rootstock in three to four years. We'll have you know, f- fruit. Um, you know, we're, uh, uh, We follow an integrated pest management program, very low spray program, because most uh, 90% of the fruit that we produce, um, is, is going into cider either fresh cider or hard cider so we're not concerned with little blemishes or sp- spraying for color or size all these things you can yeah, do no, no
0: one's going to see it doesn't matter what it no looks gonna like no one's going to see
1: it doesn't really, you know and, and, you know as long as it's not uh, unhealthy uh, it's, you know but a couple little bug barts are not going to matter at all so this time of the year we're picking the apples and pressing it into into juice um, and it's either going into uh, UV treated and going into the fresh cider, or for the for the cider apples, it's going into stainless tanks for fermentation. Uh, and I'll I'll let Tim talk a little bit about uh, about that. Yep.
2: Yeah, so at that point, what we want to do is pretty much control things, and so we will lightly uh, dose the cider with uh, potassium metabisulfite. And what that does is it basically um, sort of knocks down the bad bacteria and wild yeasts and allows us to use a yeast that we know very well um, the characteristics that it's going to produce in the cider. Um, Then we go ahead and add the yeast and and let her go. Um, It then ages usually six to seven or eight months. um, Drops clear We pump it into other tanks, and and ultimately this one in particular goes into used bourbon barrels. And that's kind of a fun story we should probably tell. Um, But anyway, this is one of our two gold medal winning ciders. It's uh, uh, just off dry. It's um, still, which is one of the educational things that we are commonly doing uh, with folks. They don't expect cider to not have bubbles in it because everybody thinks cider has bubbles in it and so anyway so this one is uh, bourbon barrel aged Kingston black made from a single variety of apple called Kingston black um, which is one of the few that has the right sort of combination of characteristics it's got some tannins it's got some good acidity and it's got good sugar content and for whatever reason nature typically just doesn't make apples with all three of those characteristics. Um, So we, for the most part, are blending uh, what are called bittersweet apples that are high in tannins with sharp apples that are high in acidity with other apples that have a lot of sugar in them in order to get something that has similar characteristics to to this cider. So is that kind of the
0: art in how you determine the taste yes. of the cider is the different oh, it sure, of is.
2: It sure of is the apples yes and 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 like Rob said it's all about the apples and it can't be emphasized more how um, brilliant it was 17 or 18 years ago to have gotten the advice to get the right kind of apples to make this stuff considering you know the hard cider craze right now um, People call him up and say, "I see you have this particular apple. Do you have any that that I can buy?" And the answer is no. <laughs> you know, we, we use them all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wish so I had I, this this Kingston black apple while we we're on it. This is like as Tim said, a single variety um, uh, apple that you, you don't need to blend anything. And so you, the question would be, well, why don't you just have a whole orchard full of these? And I, people ask me that, and I say, well, there are three reasons. One. The trees don't grow straight. They're they're one of the most difficult trees to, Uh to train. They're very wild. Two, they're prone to disease. Uh, they get a lot of blights, and you have to be very careful in your management of them. And then the worst thing of all is they're biennial bearers, so they tend to fruit every other year. Oh, that's annoying. It, yeah. it, it, <laughs> it's hard to get a good business yeah. model based on that. So we we actually did two separate plantings in, in different areas of the property, so that the one with with the hopes that the one section always has that fruit, you know, uh, alternating years. Has it worked out it, that it, way? It, it's worked out, yes. So
0: so, so far. So is it based on when you plant them, or is it? It's mm, just it's they random. kind of ran. Yeah. that's and, really. And, annoying <laughs>
1: they, they put off a pheromone that will tend to make the other trees get into the same um, alternate year bearing cycles so you have to you know we, we, we that's always the fear is they're gonna somehow in, in, in fact in, fact, in, in,
2: in air in, quotes
0: the. Yeah, they,
1: they get synced synced up um, and
2: it's a huge difference it's it's it sometimes is ten times the amount of fruit from one year to the
1: next wow. yeah, yeah this year was our what we call the on year and we just we had a, a, just a, a boatload of this fruit, and,
0: and so then are you able to turn that into juice, and you
2: can store the juice. Yes. Well, we yeah. store the fermented. Okay. Store the, the cider, not not, 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 the, not the juice. Okay.
0: Because yeah. well, the juice would go bad, but the yeah, it not, would it go f- bad. It would ferment. Turn into, <laughs> okay. It would
2: turn into cider. Yeah, yeah. Um, so by now you should notice there's kind of a back of the throat finish to this and and you wouldn't get that from apples like the dessert apples like if if this was made from fuji or honey crisp or something like that you wouldn't have a finish like that that you're experiencing now right.
0: um i want to hear the story about uh, you said there's a story behind the bourbon barrel yeah. aging but first uh speaking of bourbon barrels this is a good time to thank uh roast house pub for their support because on black friday they're hosting the Goose Island uh, Bourbon County brunch, so the traditionally uh, Goose Island's Bourbon County Stout is released on Black Friday. So he, if you go onto their um, website or check out on Facebook, you can purchase tickets to the brunch that includes uh, two nine-ounce pours, and he um, has the full menu listed. Also coming up is um, Mom's Spaghetti Dinner featuring Jailbreak and Monument. That's on November 30th. And before that event, uh, Monument and Jailbreak will be on the podcast leading up to it. And then what I'm most excited about is December 12th. They'll be having a beer dinner with Old Mother featuring the uh, beer that I brewed with Old Mother last week. So keep an eye out on their Facebook page and on their website to purchase tickets, and keep up to date on what they have going on. So let's hear that bourbon barrel story.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, and we we do this, uh, this cider not just in bourbon barrels. We, okay. we have a, a sparkling ber- version of it. It's off dry, and then we have a fully dry bottle-conditioned version. When
0: first, I want to say I, 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 I'm fairly surprised that i did actually really like this (laughs) because i well in not a kind and i had to give this disclaimer to every distillery i had on that any faces i make or (laughs) any negativity is not uh directed towards your product it's that i mainly stick to just beer but the only ciders i've had are have been carbonated ones and i've i've never liked any of them um and i don't like wine so I, I wasn't exactly
2: sure at mm-hmm. all what to expect from this, but it was
0: quite enjoyable.
1: Well, thank you.
2: And and that's actually this education thing. You know, we, we tell um, our our tasting room staff to sort of start by telling folks, think dry white wine. Um, it, this is, a, you know, like Rob said, we don't do sweet. But a good starting point for people who try our cider is to think dry white wine. And still, though, I would... I would still not want any.
0: (laughs) Although maybe, maybe now my tastes have changed enough that I would, I will enjoy some wine, but this is
1: maybe we'll convert you before we are finished.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll try another one here in a minute. So, um, what, uh, what kind of bourbon barrels are you using?
1: So I, I got a call out of the blue, um, or five years ago from the master distiller at Smith Bowman Distillers down in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Okay, The guy said, hey, I've been looking on the web, I see you got all these, these fun apples out here. He said, i got a proposition for you. He said, if I loaned you my bourbon barrels, my fresh poured bourbon barrels, would you age your cider in them and then give me my b- barrels back without rinsing out your, your cider? And I thought about that for about two seconds. I was say, that's <laughs> and pretty, and pretty, I said, that's what do we get wood. out of yeah. it?
2: <laughs> well, and, you know, actually, you know, wood barrels in cider making are actually a nightmare. because oh, really? Sanitizing them is really, really not an easy thing. You can imagine the wood and the pores in the yeah. wood. So receiving barrels that basically just had distilled spirits in them, which are absolutely sterile, yeah. is a beautiful thing for us
1: and so we, and we didn't we didn't ferment in the barrels we just we aged, aged it okay. in, in there and so uh, we've been doing that back and forth a couple of times i had uh, i was doing a tasting at uh, a liquor store one day and the guy next to me was tasting some rye whiskey so i was telling him the story so the next week he sent me a dozen rye barrels and so we've been doing that and 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 uh, um, uh, it it just uh, you know keep, keeps growing and that—I mean—that
0: works out perfectly too. It's a beautiful. Use bur- thing. Use bourbon barrels sell for a mint. Now. Hard to get. Oh, I know. Everybody <laughs> wants. If bourbon you can barrels get your too. hand on them, they're yeah. super expensive. So that was, a, that was a nice little present that fell in your
2: lap. It, so it I, was indeed, and and you know we make three or four ciders now that are barrel aged. Um, so and, then and he then really took great.
0: the barrel back and made well, like an apple. Jack or well, no, it was
1: uh, it was a bourbon that was just flavored, you know, okay. so he could pick up the hint of the.
2: Uh, they had been uh, doing this with wineries and and getting used port barrels and then putting distilled spirits in the port barrels and then selling whatever that is at tremendous.
1: So I just well, I just heard from, price point from, from, and from 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 Dragon Distillery this week. So we're going to do that with with Dragon. Get oh, one of cool. their, their bourbon barrels and then uh, there's. Uh, a rum distillery in dc that's got a couple of our barrels so i think it's fun for, bo- for both sides of it
0: do you know which bourbon it's going to be from
1: no i don't yet okay. no, i was trying to get that this morning but
0: uh. it can see as the fear and the although i think that gets traded back and may go back to flying bugs it's probably the Bastille the bestial bourbon i think that's the name of it they're both good so
1: so, and speaking of Flying Dog, we've, uh, we have we do some collaboratives with, with Flying Dog. Yeah, I had
0: the, um, the...
1: The Orchard Ale? Yeah,
0: that was, it was really, and it was another time I was surprised that I, I liked that beer. I wasn't expecting to.
1: So that's their, uh, this is the fifth year we've done that with them. And basically it's, I don't know, they won't probably tell you the exact percentage, but it's it's a pretty good high percentage of cider, but certainly not more than the 51%. Yeah. And uh, they released that. I, I think they still have a little bit more. And we grow a, a one... We, grow all apples and then one berry it's called aronia it so this it was called it used to be the domestic chokeberry but now they have these co- commercial versions of it called aronia it looks like a blueberry but it sort of tastes like a cranberry it's very astringent um, super high in tannins and it's got this neat red color to it so they they did a beer with it and we have a cider actually that we're uh, we do for for Halloween which is brew uh, also because of Burkittsville was the uh Blair the Blair Witch yeah. Project. Uh, it's it, it, it's kind of a fun uh, cider, and, that, and that, that beer was that beer was kind of on the on the funky end of thing, but they sell out of it every year like immediately. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's funky, but there's a good market for that. Um, maybe we'll try next the uh, of the Celebration too. What do you think? Uh, whatever you
2: want the. Um, so this, the the, cel-
1: the scrumpy might be more up Chris's alley. Okay, yeah, that's still we'll try that. Um, so the scrumpy in this, uh, in the, the Moonshine jug bottle there is um, made with it. scrumpy is a British style of cider. You know, if you were out in a pub in rural England, and we've, I've been there, my wife and I I've had to do some field research, and it's Somerset, and you know, everybody has the local scrumpy, or every cidery has their local scrumpy. And if you ask 10 Brits, you get 10 different definitions of exactly what it is. But it's generally a cloudy, unfiltered cider.
2: Kind of rough, kind of raw,
1: maybe a little bit stronger yeah. in alcohol. So this is, most of our ciders are, are 7.5% alcohol, which is the result of the, the starting sugars in, in, the, in the apples. Um, this one, because of the blend we use, um, is, it's a little higher. It's probably close to 10% alcohol. But this is, is fully dry, still, and...
2: Uh, well, it's, it's paddling. It's got a, a tiny bit of a sparkle to it.
0: We could also hop on to the um, trendy beer term uh,
2: bandwagon and just
0: call it a New England-style hazy cider, and then... <laughs> yes well
2: there is a new england style cider oh is it? yeah there is of course is. there is and <laughs> it, it's new england style cider is a very chewy cider where you've you've used a lot of raisins maybe molasses honey and and you get the alcohol way up there on, <laughs> what's on, really funny about that too is yeah. that
0: because with beers they're also described as chewy because they have all the added uh proteins
2: and things still left inside. yeah 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 a New England style cider might be something we try sometime just for, uh, I mean, we have, we have 12 or, or 14 different ciders, um, but a New England style cider is not one of them. This is good too. I like that. This has some
1: real, real nice apple notes to it. You, you, yeah. You did. can still taste the apple and uh, almost, um, almost tastes a little bit sweet.
0: So what, what is the proper way to taste cider? Well,
1: this, is there, it's really you, the
2: temperature that okay. we're talking about. These came out of the tasting room, which is a cool room in the 60s. and So the still ciders like these, this is a good temperature. And if you notice, the aroma coming off your glass is, is pretty good. Um, so
0: is it like wine or beer where first swirl it around, smell? You, ice then-
2: cold over ice, you know, stone cold over ice or something like that is is not really the way to drink cider um being cold has two effects as you probably know from from beer drinking if it's absolutely ice cold it does two things it kills your taste your sense of taste and it suppresses aroma so why would you do that yeah. so so for the still ciders this is kind of the right temperature to, to drink them um for the, the you know the, the carbonated ones colder is is, is better. And is that just the keep the, the keep the carbonation yeah, under yeah, control yeah
0: I really like this one too um, so how so you explained the the mixture of the apples is a big portion of the the art of cider making is the amount of time that it ferments uh, Yep. Take to, is does that go into play also
2: yep we like so One of the hardest, the, in my opinion, hardest uh, characteristic to keep in the cider is the aroma. When we have big fermentations going on like they are right now, there's these wonderful aromas coming off. It's not particularly yeasty, but it's just this wonderful apple aroma. Well, it's coming off, right? Yeah, you're losing it. And so, so one of the hardest things in cider making is to keep that aroma in there, and so we like long, slow fermentations, not vigorous yeast like champagne yeast. Okay. Um, but, you know, you know, nice, calm, gentle fermentations that stretch out over over a couple of weeks.
0: And then you ate, because you had said it first, that and it waits for... And
2: then it just sits. Okay. And it sits and sits and sits, and it drops clear for the most part. Uh, and then we, we start doing other things with it.
0: So does... Um do you have to kill the fermentation? Or is that just no. the, the, at that point it's fermented out, all the sugars have been consumed in the yeast? Yeah, is... there's a
2: couple of, uh, of misconceptions about cider. And, and one of them is that, that you can ferment it to an off dry with, with some residual sugar. There's no known yeast that will not take cider to fully dry. And in fact, there's no unfermentables to speak of in apple juice so our final gravity is always 1.0 or slightly below unlike beer brewing we don't have to take a second gravity to calculate the alcohol yeah right we know every time that it's that it's when it's finished it's all gone it's there's no sugar and literally very little in the way of um, unfermentables
0: so you had that Actually, I, I like. I think this is the most attractive of them. I like that, like almost a orangeish, mm-hmm, bright mm-hmm. color, and it's just it's a cool the uh, moonshine jug. So is is cider seems to be having somewhat of a resurgence right now. Is that?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. been going on for a number of years now. That uh, you know, and cider is still it's still less than two percent of the beer market. If you look at the grand, you know, market out there, it's 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 went from one percent over the last five or six years to two percent, but still a small percentage of the overall beer market. So there is lots of room to grow, and there are lots of startup cideries out there. As I mentioned, we teach this cider making class in the off season. It's like the first Saturday of the month for January and February and March. And every year we get a couple of people who, you know, are thinking about starting a cidery. It's a couple of young guys, or it's a couple who inherited, you know, a little farmstead with ten acres, and they want to start growing apples. And and some of this is what we we're seeing it come to fruition. These people are, are, are starting. Well, Joe a and Dan are, are, yeah.
2: are so <laughs> our first our first children of the class <laughs> are are starting a cidery in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, this spring, I think. Yeah. So do,
0: do most cideries have their own orchard and grow all their own apples, or are they, are they mainly buying the...
1: I think m- most of the new ones are mainly buying it. Um, we did a, a, yesterday we had um, a cidery from Pennsylvania and a cidery from Virginia come out to the farm. We're doing a collaborative cider. The, the annual conference for cider makers is called CiderCon. <laughs> is, is typically in, uh, in Chicago or Portland, and this year it's in Baltimore in late January. So in conjunction with sort of that conference being here, there's a tour coming out to our place. We got together with these uh, two other what I call grower producers. Um, it's Albemarle Cider Works from down in uh, Charlottesville and Big Hill from up uh, in Pennsylvania right outside of uh, Gettysburg and Biglerville. So they brought some apples, and we, had a, we spent the day yesterday pressing, and then we divvied up the juice at the end of the day, and we're each going to make a different style of cider, and Tim can tell you a little bit more about you know, what you could do with that juice, the different styles you could make it in, and then they'll come back in January when the conference is, and, and the tour is out of our place, and we'll, we'll do, do a little talk about you know, what, we, what we did and how we did it, and, 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 and then everybody can taste the end products. But there, there aren't that many um, new startup cideries that are planting trees there are a few out there just because the, the, the amount of time, time, time yes. and then
2: also the we have a whole added business really that you're doing too yes. uh, growing a orchard yeah the, the truth is that most cider in this country is made from dessert apples you know or, okay or actually concentrate from overseas um so the the other thing is if you talk to the Cummins guys, they're they're like two to three years out on grafting cider apples. So you if you order cider apples, small trees
1: right now, you'll get them in two to three years.
0: Oh, so definitely if you want to open the yeah. cider, you're not going.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but there are people. I mean, there's, there's a long lead time. Just yeah. Just well, and then you the got to grow them. That, <laughs> that people that yeah. people uh, are, are are wanting to get into this. So you will see more places like ours that grow their own trees and, and make their own cider. That that will be a, you know, that, that will continue that trend.
0: So the cideries that don't um, grow their own, will they mainly use? Do you, is it buying juice, or do they buy the apples themselves? And Most of them are buying juice, okay.
1: and then they're they're trying to uh, process it in a way that sort of differentiates themselves, or they're they're searching out. There's certainly some old um, orchards in in Virginia or in Pennsylvania that at one time grew um, fruit that was you know suited to making cider, and then you know when that fell out of after Prohibition, primarily, um, they didn't grow as much, but there are still places in, that, that do grow a lot of apples that are very good for making cider. And with, with in fact, that one apple in the middle there is uh, the, the yellow one, is um, called Harrison, and it's one of the best ciders, and that, that was a, a widely grown in Virginia, um, and you can still find those if you search around for them. But like uh, Tim had said earlier, we we do get a lot of calls from people wanting to buy our. But, you know, after you put so many years into growing them and, uh, you know, nurturing the trees. And and plus we sell everything that we make, too. That's the other thing. Yeah.
0: It's not like you're throwing it away. You're using it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Can't help you.
0: So do you think that um, the the fact that a a lot of the newer places are purchasing the same thing that everyone else is purchasing – you had said earlier, there's you guys making your more traditional uh, ciders, and then there's people experimenting and going on the funky end of the spectrum. You think that's what is causing that? So oh, that, sure. that they, they they need to differentiate that. Like you can dif- differentiate yourself by having a wide variety of apples and doing it that way, and then they have to. To have their niche or and to make so, a different so product, there are the, a lot
2: of hopped ciders out there right now, and and with other herbal additives, and and yes, I think that is an offshoot of the fact that they don't have the right kind of apples to make a traditional craft cider like this. But, but there um, are are there's nothing course. wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, and and I have a, a formula approval to make a hopped cider, and I've <laughs> had that for several years. And actually, when the Flying Dog uh, crew we taught a joint class with with folks that they recruited and uh and passed out bags of hops to all the participants and so i snagged one of those and and actually you know the hop cider i made is is very nice would i make it well all the other guys are making it so maybe someday but uh right now and we're sticking with with the sort of things that we're good at and and there's no real need to get into competition with other people in their hop ciders
0: um w- when are the hops added in the in this the, dry the, okay so after it's after it's yeah i added
2: mine after the fermentation okay. was, or at the very end of the fermentation and i just plunked the pellets right in
0: so do you get much of the what did what do they when it, when they're added that way what do you get from the hops? aroma mostly Mainly, yeah okay.
2: yeah they're they're not they're not super bitter yeah remember that we're not cooking right so we're yeah. never we're never bringing the juice up to a high temperature that would be equivalent to you know adding hops at different parts of the boil
0: and i i, I guess something i'd never thought of and maybe it's because I, I don't drink a lot of even regular cider or it with my kids, it doesn't last long. Like you had mentioned, like you take the cap off of the regular bottle of cider, and, and uh how long do you say it would take?
1: Well, if if you just kept it in the refrigerator, and you know, it kept maybe a month, it would start getting what, what people, would say, you know, I, I had that cider in the refrigerator, and I, I, a lot of guys will tell you that they do it deliberately. You know, they pour <laughs> a little bit off, and, and then it gets fizzy first, you know, and uh, it it probably would be a long time finishing at that cold temperature, but. Uh, it, 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 there's wild you can, yeast. You can ferment all these, and people do come by it all the time to uh, take home to ferment, put it in their carboy. And, uh.
2: There's wild yeast everywhere. If yeah. you take the lid off that and pour some out and some air goes in, there's a very good chance there's some yeast that just went in there with it. And uh, folks will say... My my cider kind of went bad, and I'll say, no cider doesn't really go bad. It's went you know it's starting to ferment. It's getting good. Yeah. And it's actually really tasty when it's when it's a little bit fizzy and still real sweet like that. But I wouldn't give that to my kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um. What is the shelf life for cider? Is it like a wine? It, or it's, it's, it's like, like white <laughs>
2: wine. We a year. Is, okay. Is, is it it. Really, the aromatic compounds are at their peak the day we bottle them. So, so yeah.
0: What about the t- like taste wise? What does all, that, it doesn't. Oh, really it,
2: years. It, I have bottles that are years old that that taste fine. They're just not what they were. Gotcha. When they were younger.
0: So it'll never go bad. It's just it's not going to be as enjoyable. It will its-
2: oxidize like a white wine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but yes no it will never it will never turn to vinegar in the bottle
0: gotcha now the ours won't
2: anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> the re, um regular cider you sell so that does not contain these cider apples fruit, no. it, that has exactly the right. dessert yeah that's that right talk, yeah. Yeah. that's right
1: and our our regular cider is um is, Different every week. When we first started making it, we realized we couldn't make the same fresh cider every week because we were picking at different apples every week. So when we first started it, we said, you know, uniquely different every week. And, <laughs> and people will really like that. You know, they'll come back and say, I like it. I, I never know what I'm going to get. Some weeks it's a little tartar, some weeks a little sweeter, some weeks a blend. You know, and uh, so, and we will have that through, uh, through, through January. Uh, it's actually really just like New Year's Eve, we have it. And cider at that point we're going to be out of apples. We've pressed everything, and and cider sales start to fresh cider sales usually fall off after the first of the year too.
0: So um, the year to year, the does the taste of the apple um, harvest change enough? Where it it's hard to reproduce the cider to taste the same from year to year or is it stay close enough that you're able to blend it
1: it's it's close enough you can blend it you do have variability in the sugar every year based on how how much sun you had that year and and you do have variability in, in the amount of tannins in some of the apples too and, and the the researchers at you know, virginia and penn state are still trying to figure out exactly what drives that and, and they don't have the answer but but by blending you know since we're we, we, you know a lot of it is just blending to taste but the celebration cider there we have uh, is always the base juice in that um, which is maybe 60 70 percent is this old American apple called the Roxbury russet which' just r- super high in flavor super high in sugar and makes and then we blend that with a bittersweet something with a lot of tannins 15 20 percent and then which is the early season apples and then late season something high in acidity um, which because the the tannic apples don't have much acidity, but you know it's a, it's a taste um, thing that Tim does, and we'll do together on the weekends to try to match what that the product has been. Because we don't, the last thing we want is inconsistency. Yeah. In your, in your
0: <clears throat> now, is it is it like beer though, where you try to get as close as possible? Yeah, there, there's and, a formula. So you, kind okay, of what he was <clears throat> just
2: giving you was because
0: like so, wine though they they don't
2: right or like they try to There's a lot of single varietal stuff in, okay. in winemaking and like i said earlier apples just don't really nature doesn't make the right combination of characteristics in in most apples um,
1: so we we blend okay to so, get, to so you're, get to that you're always sweet able
0: spot. you're still always able to get yep. close enough to yeah sure
1: and, and we blend our cell you know and do taste tests ourselves, but then we get the, the tasting room staff to get in on it, you know, the, my kids and their friends and customers, because sometimes we've learned sort of the hard way over the years that what Tim and I think is the greatest cider may not be with a person walking in the tasting uh, I room. I fight
2: this with him all the time. <laughs> so We're not making it for us, boss. We're, <laughs> we're making it for exactly. and, and yeah, I have, a, I have a dedicated crew that sort of rotates in and out of my full-time job that I've been... Using it as guinea pigs for years, and, <laughs> which they don't mind at all. Yeah, and they That's they a don't tough, mind at all. job, yeah.
1: But it's fun too because if you're if we're going to try something new, like the the witches brew, where we put a lot of uh, aronia in that this year, you know, you don't want to make something that we think is okay, but the customers don't like. And so we'll, we'll ask them, and most most of them will give us their honest opinion. Oh, no, this is too much. They'll you know, we'll give them three samples of it. And, I
2: certainly you know, have used the customers in in uh, in, in this sort of endeavor as well. Um, We make a a cider called Sweet Autumn which has uh, a little bit of uh, maple syrup added back to it Um, and basically we got to the point where it was just right by having folks in the tasting room taste incrementally increasing (laughs) amounts and when I got a crew of 10 people to say too too sweet too not sweet enough and the rest that's perfect that's where bottle we, it up. that's where we <laughs> that's set the right. set the formula um, so anyway yeah
0: so is everything's kept separate so like you take one variety of apple turn that into juice ferment it
2: then normally so we blend oh so at the blending the takes before yeah, okay that's right.
1: but over the years we did exactly as you said tim the same and science. we
2: still do some single
1: varietal things um, but Tim, the scientist that he is, and uh, you know, over the years, has t- we've, we've done all the apples in single variety, and then recorded tasting notes, pH, sugar levels, pre and post fermentation, so that we have this good database okay. for the individual varieties, and then we know, you know, what the blend is going to be with uh, the celebration, for example, and so that we might mix that when we're pressing. which generally we do. Um, and then we can tweak it a little bit more because we do have batches of just um, uh, bittersweets.
0: Would, would you get a different flavor if it was blended after fermentation as opposed to before?
1: You know, if, if you ask five cider makers, you get five, have, yeah. five different <laughs> answers on that one. It's <laughs>
0: however that uh, cider maker was taught and firmly <laughs> believes is the correct way. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I <laughs> Absolutely. like
1: blending at the
2: press. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and I, the guy I bought my press from... 15 years ago, the old guy had been making cider for 30 years and retired, insisted that you had to blend it at you know, at the press, to, in the process. Um, so actually, we like blending at, in the process, too, because the, the different textures of the apples, too, some of them are, you know, the flesh is, is a little drier. It's hard to get through the press and through the grinder. And the, oh, the so if pump, you, mixed you the have up. a mix. it's have uh, That was big,
2: really evident yesterday with some of these cider apples uh, were really dry. And, and yeah, it was, wasn't until we blended some other ones in that it you know, flowed better.
0: Okay. So do you have um, do you have anything coming up soon that you want to talk about Let people will bu- make people aware of?
1: Well, the, uh, the, the new cider that we blended yesterday will be released on, uh, uh, we we'll, haven't even started the fermentation yet, but uh, we'll, we'll release that in, in conjunction with the CiderCon conference. Um, and that's a 240-gallon batch split three
2: ways. So yeah, that's so a very, very li- small, <laughs> limited quantity. Um, and, it, you know, it's, we're doing it for fun, and, and probably we'll do it again in years to come.
1: Yeah, and we have a new batch of the uh, the Kingston Black Barrel Age. That's I think we're down to our very last case of that, so we've got that coming out. And uh, we're always looking for uh, for collaboratives. Um, we're doing one with a um, distillery in DC that's going to give us a couple of rum barrels, and uh, you know we'll we'll try that for the first time. Um.
0: I like the Kingston Black. I'll Have a little more of that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where can people find you?
1: Um, locally here in Frederick, I mean, well, we were open Saturdays and Sundays year-round. Our tasting room is 12 to 5. You come out and taste four or five ciders, and uh, we can tour our orchard. We have a, a self-guided walking tour of the orchard, so there are 18 golf course flags that ring the orchard, and each one is a sign with some kind of fun fact about apples or cider or uh, apples in history in the U.S., and uh, people enjoy that. You know, There's the a geology sign. Too oh, Tim, the, Tim, part. our geologist has the, the, the geology sign. <laughs> at least at least one geology <laughs> sign. Um, here locally at Firestone's Market is uh, a retailer and uh, over at the Wegmans, the plaza, the, the, the wine source over there. And both of those carry a big selection of our ciders. Okay,
0: and uh, people I'm sure can keep up with you on Facebook and yes. your website to look for events or anything special you're doing? Yes. Uh, did. did
2: you mention that we're on draft all over downtown yeah that, and, uh, well yeah.
1: Um, yeah and then we encourage people to ask for us at your favorite watering hole and that's always the best way to, for uh, us to get into uh, to, to new markets new, new stores
0: all right so tim i know you drink beer i'm sure because you brewed do you drink beer rob yes all right cool so i can still ask you got these questions <clears throat> what is your favorite maryland beer
1: I like the Flying Dog, um, um, the Pale. What is it called?
0: There'd be no shame in saying the Orchard one.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good cider, but it's not my favorite. Or good, uh, you know. I either beer, like to drink beer, beer yeah. or cider, that, and I, I think it's good. But my favorite is their uh, their Pale. What do they call it? Uh, doggy style. Doggy style. Yes, that's my favorite.
0: Yeah, they experimented briefly with getting rid of the name, but then decided that everyone wanted it to be named that. <laughs> And Tim? Uh, their
2: snake dog is uh, commonly found in my refrigerator.
0: Yeah. See, so both both are sticking with Frederick.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Frederick's got so many cool, cool beers now. It's hard to keep track with uh, and all I, of them. And and we, we, we live over in uh, Jefferson, too, so we, we'll stop down in Smoketown all the time. They've always got some fun things on tap there, too.
0: Um, and another thing I've started asking everyone, because there's been some privately I've been, the an, the answers. Netted some hilarious things. So I've started asking people, Have you? what is the most ridiculous review you've ever
1: received? I've got, I've got a, good, a good one for that. We, uh, we, ha- well, we, we got uh, several of them actually, but uh, one this woman wrote last fall, and it was part of this learning process. She wrote, I'd like their ciders, said, but several of them were flat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no. So now we change the way we, we present in the tasting room. It's uh-huh. like you do the, sparkling cider and then you do the still cider so this has no effervescence uh, that i thought was a little and rough. it never did it never did whatever was <laughs> yeah. was not flat but you know you, you sort of learned you know the, it, it was it was a good learning experience for us just like well you know it was kind of ridiculous but yeah on the other hand we, we should have changed the way we were yeah, presented so it, and, and it and helped
0: we, you move forward did it,
2: it's there's a lot of education that, that we have to do to get people to understand what this is. And, and that, that's a good example of that.
0: Well, yeah, and so because a lot of people, their only exposure could be like a Mike's Hard Cider. Yes. Which yeah. this is not even remotely close to that.
1: No. And a lot of people used to come to us when we first opened and, and it sort of expected a, a hard cider that was really sweet and bubbly. And then, and, and then they would come out and they'd say, well, you know, I don't really like this. It's not sweet enough. And so it's like, well, we're not making that. And we had many discussions over the years, Tim and my wife and I, about should we do that? Should we get down that path? And we just said no. And now people come to us because they know we make dry ciders. It's like they've had enough of the sweet stuff and they can only drink a glass or two of it and they get a sugar overload. So they, they've come to us for the, the dry But ciders. we don't
2: talk badly about those because if those are the ones that bring – if they get them to you, to us, and, then the, I I call them gateway ciders yeah. and and that's
1: just fine. That's yeah. just fine. And, and and again, there's so many styles out there. It's just like the beer world. There's something for everybody. You know, try them all, and uh, you know, and it's what depends what you're eating, what the occasion is. You know, some of them may be a, more appropriate at uh, different times than others.
0: Well, you've you've changed my mind. I'd, although m- my opinion was completely uninformed, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: Well, we can't thank you yes. enough for having us on. Uh, thank Christmas you for great. coming
0: on, especially during a holiday week. Uh, I really appreciate that.
1: And the next thing we need to
2: do is get you guys to come over to the cidery. Yeah, be, yeah, definitely. Come yeah. out for a visit and the tasting.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Cheers. 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 The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music.
1: Thanks for listening.